So, everybody take uh, your Bibles and turn to John chapter 14, okay? And if you don't have a Bible, all the verses will come up on the, the jumbotrons uh, for you. So I'm a way better preacher than I am teacher. And today's more of a kind of a teaching moment. And uh, I, I really want you to get this. We're wrapping up our series that we entitled uh, Victory. And I, I want to begin this way. You just kind of keep your finger in there, John 14, all right? So, give you a timeline. Jesus dies on a Friday, okay? We call it Good Friday. Most of you maybe came to one of our Good Friday services at noon or uh, 7 o'clock, okay? He dies on a Friday. Three days later, Jesus walks out of the tomb. He walks out of the, 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 the cave, the, the grave, right? We call this Easter or Resurrection Weekend, right? Most of you were here. Most of you were maybe watching. Over a billion people celebrate Easter. So Jesus dies on a Friday. Three days later, he walks out of the grave. After he walks out of the grave, he was on planet Earth. He was walking around on planet Earth for 40 days. For 40 days, he was interacting, interfacing with a number of, of people on planet Earth. Okay? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people saw the resurrected Jesus walking around on planet Earth. Okay? And after 40 days of walking around here on planet Earth, he went to be with the Father. Okay? Uh, we, we call that the ascension. Pastor Joel preached on that, uh, on, on that last weekend, if you were here. Okay? Then it was 10 days later that we have what we call the day of Pentecost. Ten days later, something amazing happened here on planet Earth. And that's what I'm going to talk about today is the day of Pentecost. So I just want to make sure you understand the timeline, okay? So Jesus dies on Friday, Good Friday. He's put into a tomb. Three days later, he walks out of the grave. That's Easter weekend, resurrection weekend. After he walked out of the grave, he was on planet Earth for 40 days talking with people, interfacing with people, having meals with people. And after 40 days, he's taken up to glory. He's taken up to the right hand of the Father. We call that the ascension. And it was 10 days later, 50 days after he rose from the grave, that we have Pentecost, or what we call the day of Pentecost. And as I said, that's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about now, there were three major things that happened on the day of Pentecost, all right? Most people only know about one of them. Most scholars only talk about one of them. Most preachers only preach about one of them. But I, I think there were three major things that happened on the day of Pentecost, okay? And the first one is this. It was the day that proved that Jesus made it back to heaven, he kept telling the guys, even before he died, that he was going to go to heaven, he was going to go to glory, he was going to go build a place for us, all these kinds of things. 
Then he dies on a Friday. He's resurrected on a Sunday. During those 40 days, he even made reference to the fact that he was going to glory. And the day of Pentecost is a day that proves that he made it back. And I'll talk about that more in, in just a moment. The second thing is, it was a day that the New Testament church was born. The New Testament church wasn't born on Friday, the day that he died. The New Testament church wasn't born on Sunday, the day Jesus walked out of the tomb. It wasn't born during those 40 days that he was around on planet Earth after the resurrection. It wasn't born when he was ascended to glory after 40 days. The church... The reason why we're sitting in a room like this and gather in a place called Big Valley Grace was born on the 50th day, on the day of Pentecost, okay? And number three, it was a day that the Holy Spirit came and indwelt all believers for all time. That's what most people focus on. And I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna talk about that because it's important. So those are the... Th what I would say are the three major things that happened on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus walked out of the, out of the, 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 the tomb. And I'm gonna talk about a couple of them a, a little bit more in detail here. All right, John 14. Everybody looking at John 14. Jesus said, if you love me, here's gonna be one of the signs that you love the Lord. It's easy to say I love you, right? That's easy. Talk is cheap. I love you. I love you. I love Jesus. Anybody can say that. But Jesus himself says, if you love me, then obey my commandments. And, and, and here we have them. Everything written between these two leather-bound covers are the commands of God. And God says, hey, if you love me, if you really do love me, then I want to make sure that you're obeying me. And then he says this, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Some of your Bibles use the word counselor. Some say comforter, right? Some say helper, who will never leave you. Well, that's, that, that's kind of a new concept, because Jesus would leave the guys. There were many times, I'm sure, after they had breakfast, that he went one place and they went another. They weren't together. I'm sure there were many times at night he, you know, slept in one place and they slept in another place. Now he's talking about this advocate, this counselor, this comforter, this helper who would never leave them, never. And then he says in verse 17, this advocate, this counselor, this comforter, this helper, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. There was coming a moment when there was going to be a shift when the Holy Spirit would come and never leave the believer. So here's what I want to do. I want to make three points. The first two are going to be pretty um, somewhat brief, if you will. And then the last one, number three, I'll spend a little bit more time on. So here's the first point I want to make, and it's, it's, it's maybe the most important one of them all, and that is that the Holy Spirit is God. Anytime you read in the scripture about the Holy Spirit, that's a reference to God. He's the third person of the Trinity. And it's really important. 
I know most of you in this room know that, you understand that, I get it. But there are some new believers in the room, immature believers in the room. Maybe there are some unbelievers in the room or watching online. I want to make sure that you understand this, that the Holy Spirit is God. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 1, it says this. There's a great story. It says, but there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. So his wife was in on this deception, right? Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. He says, hey, the property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was yours to, to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but you were lying to God. You see how Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is interchanging God and the Holy Spirit? You see that? Do you understand that? And so here we have this couple. They own some land. They sell the land. And they got together, you know, and said, hey, listen, what if we, what if we go to Peter, we go to church, and we go to Peter, and we told him we sold the land, and we tell him, we're giving you everything we got. That'll make us look really good. But in reality, we'll, we'll, we'll pocket some of the money. But we'll tell, we'll, we'll tell the guys we're giving them the whole thing. And so they show up and go, man, Peter, we sold this land, and, you know, we just want to give you the whole thing. And Peter knew. Peter says, hey, man, that land was yours. You can do anything you want to with the land. You didn't have to sell it if you didn't want to. And when you did sell it, you didn't have to bring anything to, to, to God. But what you did is you lied. You're lying. Because you kept some of it back. And he uses the Holy Spirit and God interchangeably. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. And then he says, I want you to baptize these new believers, these new disciples in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Last night and last hour, we actually baptized. This hour, there wasn't, we didn't baptize anybody. But here at Big Valley Grace, our tradition is, is that we baptize a person in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Our tradition is we honor all three persons of the Holy Trinity. Some churches may do it one time backwards in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is fine. That's their tradition. Here, we give honor to all three persons of the, 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 the Trinity. Now, you don't read the word Trinity in the Bible anywhere. You, you, you can search the Bible. You won't find the word Trinity anywhere. But you certainly uh, see the concept in the, in, in the scriptures. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, the very first book of the Bible and the very first chapter of the Bible, we read these words. Then God said, let us... Make human beings in our image to be like us. So we are seeing a conversation between the Holy Trinity here. 
Who's the us? Who's the our? Well, it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let us, hey, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make human beings in our image to be like, like us. I'll give you another interesting thought. We all know that God the Father has a voice. It says this in Matthew chapter three. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. Suddenly the heavens were open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and resting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So we actually get to hear, or there was a moment when people actually heard the voice of the father. He said, hey, that's my son. And here it was recorded for us, so 2,000 years later, we know exactly who the son of God is. The father didn't want us to miss it. He said, that's my son. That's not my son. That's not my son. This isn't my son. That's not my son. Whoever else, you know, says they're my son, that ain't him. That's the guy right there. He's my son. So we know the father has a voice, and obviously Jesus has a voice. We, we read his voice in the scriptures, right? Some of your Bibles actually record his voice in red letters, right? But did you know that the Holy Spirit has a voice? It says this in Acts chapter 8, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. That's not the voice of the Father. That's not the voice of Jesus. That was the voice of the Holy Spirit. It says this in Acts chapter 13, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. My point is, is that I want you to understand that the Spirit of God the Holy Spirit is God, that Jesus is God, and that the Father is God. I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit, day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and indwelt all believers. I want you to understand this is God. Now, I'll also say this. The concept of the Holy Spirit is a hard thing to grasp, but I know some of you can't do it, and sometimes, frankly, I can't either. As I've been studying this and looking at all these things, there are moments when I go, oh yeah, this makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> and then there are times I go, what? I don't get it. And Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this, that the secret things belong to the Lord. And there are some things that you're not gonna understand. You're just not gonna understand them. God said through the great prophet Isaiah that just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts and your thoughts and my ways and your ways, declares the Lord. There are going to be some things you don't get and you don't understand. And I would say that the Holy Spirit being God and Jesus being God and the Father being God and somehow they're all one, that might be something you all go, whoa, what does that mean? You're not God. 
And maybe it's just whew, whew. There are times this past week as I was getting ready, you know, whew, <laughs> what? I just know it's written in here. I know what it says. And I believe it. Even though it may be, I don't know, difficult at times to uh, maybe understand, right? Now the second thing I want to uh, share with you is this is that the coming of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, was proof that Jesus made it back to the Father in heaven. And I want to lay this out for you, okay? So put on your thinking caps. I used to hear that a lot when I was in school. (laughs) And it was directed to me personally. Ricky, put on your thinking cap. (laughs) I was the kid that had ADD. Now, they didn't call it back, they didn't call it ADD back in the 60s, okay? It was just, he's hyperactive or he's, you know, whatever. They probably had other words they used, not in front of me. Uh, <laughs> I, I was always really close with all my principals. It was, that's no joke. Um, but I, Ricky, Ricky, put on your thinking cap. Why, why don't you say that to Jimmy? How come Julie doesn't have to put on her thinking cap? Why, why me? But I want you to put your thinking caps on. Okay? I want, I'm going to walk you through something here. It says this in John chapter 7. On the last day, the the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. This is what he said, quote, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scripture declare, for the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When? Jesus said living water. He was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him, but the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Okay? Now that's not to say that the Holy Spirit wasn't at work on planet earth at the time. The Holy Spirit was. But the day of Pentecost was a different day. It was a day when the Holy Spirit was going to come and indwell every believer for all times. That wasn't true until the day of Pentecost. Now in John chapter 16, Jesus said this. He says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Why? Because if I don't go away, if I don't ascend, the advocate won't come. The helper won't come. The comforter won't come. If I do go away, then I'll send him. You see this? You you see the case I'm building here? That after the ascension, he had to go away. He said, after I go away, there's gonna come a moment where I I will send the Holy Spirit, the comforter, whatever advocate, whatever your version of the Bible might might say. Acts chapter one says this. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving uh, his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. 
During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Remember, he dies on a Friday, walks out of the tomb on a Sunday, and now he spends 40 days on, on, on planet Earth, right? And verse four says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded, talking about the disciples, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So here we have Jesus saying, listen, I gotta go here. And you guys all hang out for a while. You guys all hang out in Jerusalem because something crazy is gonna happen. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, the counselor. I, I'm gonna send him to you. And you, you see what's happening here, right? You get it? This was just an incredible moment in, in history. In fact, Acts chapter two says this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Them would look like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. I want you to know this, this is one of the great moments in history. Hey, Good Friday, man, that's a great moment. Right? Jesus dies on the cross. Hey, Easter weekend, resurrection weekend, man, tell me that isn't a great weekend, right? And then you have the 40 days he's on planet Earth, and then he's taken up to glories where he's at the right hand of the Father. Come on, man, that, that, that's an incredible day. But now, 10 days later, you have the day of Pentecost. And all the guys, you know, you can imagine, they're all sitting around, you know, What's going on? I don't know, Peter, what's going on? John, John, what's going on? What are we doing? I don't know, he said hang out here. We're supposed to hang out here. Something, something's gonna happen. I don't know what's gonna happen. And they're all just waiting. I don't know, he, he said he's gonna you know, send the spirit. They have no clue. These guys are just clueless. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, maybe they're just sitting around drinking coffee. Maybe they're playing a game or something. Wham! Something starts to happen in this room. And whoa. You know what they knew? Dude, he made it. This is that moment he talked about. He said he was gonna spend, send the Holy Spirit. You can, this, is, this is the moment. Whoa! He made it to heaven. He's there. And they, man, this was an incredible moment in history. How did the guys know he went to heaven? Yeah, they knew he had conquered the grave, so they knew, hey, this, this cat's different, man. Maybe, whoa. And yeah, he was walking around with them for 40 days on planet Earth, having lunch, coffee, hanging out. And then all of a sudden, he's gone. And here they are, just all hanging out. Jesus said when he got to glory, he was gonna send the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Boom! 
They knew. They knew. He's at the right hand of the Father. This is exactly what he said was going to happen. They knew he had made it. There's a true story told uh, about a guy named Roland Amston. Okay? On December 14th, 1911, he arrived at the South Pole. He was the first person ever to go to the South Pole. So before he left, you know, there's no cell phones. There's no email. None of that kind of stuff. So he meets up with his wife, and he says, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to be heading down to the South Pole. It's going to take me quite a while to get there. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take all these homing pigeons with me. And when I make it there, I'm going to let the homing pigeons go. Okay, now it's going to be a long time because it's going to take me a while to get there and then I'm going to let the pigeons go and it's going to take them a while to fly and then rest in a tree, you know, and then fly and then rest in a tree and whatever. So he takes off. And, uh, you know, his wife was probably sitting out on the patio having some coffee. And all of a sudden, imagine, one pigeon flies up. Another one. Another one. And all these homing pigeons are there. And you know what she thought? He made it! My husband got to the South Pole! Here's the proof all these pigeons are pooping on my, you know, <laughs> ledge. All the disciples knew. He made it! He's in glory! He sent the Holy Spirit. They knew exactly what that moment, what that moment meant. So the first point was that I want you to understand is that the Holy Spirit was God. That God was now going to come and invade the, the heart and soul of of anybody who would put their trust in him. The second point was, was that the arrival of the Holy Spirit was proof that Jesus made it back to, to heaven. And point number three, I think, takes us back to our text, right? That the Holy Spirit lives or indwells all true believers permanently. And I want you to understand this, that at the moment you gave your life to Christ, I don't know how it happened. I don't know if you prayed I don't know if you said, oh, God, save me. I, I, I don't know if you said, God, I, I, I want to become one of your disciples. I don't know how you became a follower of Jesus. I don't know how it happened. But if it was genuine and you truly understood your plight, that you were a sinner headed for hell, a Christless eternity, that you were a dead man or a dead woman walking, that you were simply a zombie walking around on planet Earth, and that there was nothing you could do to save yourself. There was nothing you could do to solve the problem of sin in your life. And you understood that there came a moment that God opened your eyes to the truth of who he was and who you were. And you got on your knees somehow and humbled yourself before God and said, oh man, I need you in my life. At the moment, you gave your life to Christ. At that very moment, the Holy Spirit came into your life. If that moment was a genuine moment, if it was true, he came into your life and he'll never leave you. 
never forsake you. He lives in you permanently. And some of you are wondering, well, what about, what about people, uh, you know, there's these high-profile Christian musicians or, uh, you know, big-time Christian people who are, you know, denouncing their faith. They're saying they're no longer Christians. Did the Holy Spirit leave them? No, the Holy Spirit didn't leave them. They were never a Christian to begin with. They were never a true disciple of the Lord in the first place. Yeah, they talked about Jesus. Yeah, they sang songs about Jesus. But they never knew him. They weren't true followers of Christ. You can't lose your salvation. Let me, listen to me. If you could lose your salvation, you would! If you could lose your salvation, if you believe that, then you don't understand how powerful sin is. And by the way, if you could lose your salvation, there's no such thing as good news. Do Christians get goofed up and do dumb things? Yeah, and you're looking at one of them. Jesus even told us a a great parable about the seed being sown and the devil comes and plucks it up off the ground and nothing happens to some of the seeds. But some of the seeds, you know what? Something happens. Things Things grow. Things happen. And then they're choked off by the world and they weren't, they weren't true followers of Christ. Now, the, the parable doesn't tell us how long that thing will grow. Maybe it grows a day, maybe it grows a week, maybe it grows a year, maybe it grows 10 years, maybe it grows 20 or 30 years, but then it's choked off and you find out at the end, guess what? They weren't really a believer. John wrote in his, uh, I think it's John, uh, 1 John, he said, hey, there were preachers In other words, mature people who went out from us, but they weren't of us. In other words, they looked like they were preachers. They looked like they were followers of Christ. They said all the right things. They did all the right things. They dressed the right way. I don't know what it is they were doing, but ultimately it was found out they really weren't followers of Jesus. Judas did not lose his salvation. He never had it. Yes, he hung out with Jesus. Yes, he was selected by Jesus. Yes, he served Jesus. He did a lot of things with Jesus. But ultimately, we find out he didn't really know Jesus. He hadn't really surrendered his life to Jesus. If you, the decision that you made was genuine, God came into your life. In fact, you were chosen before the foundations of the world. Your name was written in the Lamb's book of life, and I don't have time to talk about any of those things. It's a done deal. It's done. I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit came in you, and he will never, ever, ever leave you. Once you're in the palm of God's hand, you're in his hand. You can run and run and run and run and run, and his palm is so big, you're just not going to get anywhere. He's got you. 
even during those horrible moments when maybe you're not living the way you ought to live. He's got you. Now, I want you to understand that Paul said this. He said, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? He lives in you. And that all started on the day of Pentecost. That's when the Holy Spirit came and indwelt all believers for all time. He goes on, Paul goes on to say in chapter six, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you've received from God? You're not your own, but you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. You see, God was the one who sent the Holy Spirit to indwell this first group of believers 2,000 years ago. It was a gift from God. And guess what? That same God, when you gave your life to Christ, he sends you that gift too. Now, there were some amazing things that took place on the day of Pentecost because they didn't have a Bible. They didn't have the New Testament. There was no scripture. And so, man, the Holy Spirit came upon these this group of people, and man, they, they did some amazing things because there was no scripture at the time. They didn't know it, but they were gonna actually write the scriptures that we now get to read. It's almost when you're reading the New Testament, you're reading basically maybe their sermons. Think of it that way. But when the Holy Spirit came on this first group of believers, man, that was an amazing moment in, in history in a lot of ways, and I wish I had more time to talk about that. Paul says in Galatians chapter two, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And once again, you see the interchanging of these different personalities, if you will, of the, of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to know it wasn't always this way. Right now, the Holy Spirit will never leave you, never, permanently in you. In the Old Testament, it was different. In fact, there's the great story of, of uh, Samson. Samson was this incredible man of God. You know, he was, he was like Jesus. His birth was foretold. An angel showed up to his parents and said, hey, you're gonna have a son, and this son's gonna be you know, just an incredible person. Some of you didn't know that. Samson was born, and man, he just had a horrible problem with women, especially one. And there was this gal by the name of Delilah that kept trying to get out of him where his strength was. And he kept toying with her, and toying with her, and toying with her, and finally, it says in Judges 16, verse 17, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth. So she sent for the Philistine rulers 
come back one more time. Every time the Philistines came, you know, Samson was messing with her. He'd get up and just beat them all with a, you know, with a stick. <laughs> I mean, he was, just, he was just this incredible guy. But now, Sam, now Delilah knows. I finally wore him down. In other words, he, he played with sin. He kept getting close to the line and finally crossed over and he told me the truth. For he has finally told me a secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in her hand. Delilah lured Samson to sleep with his head in her lap and then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair in this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And when he woke up, he thought, yeah, I'm going to do what I've always done. I'm going to shake off these things and beat some, you know, beat up a few guys here. And then here's one of the saddest sentences in all the Bible. But he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. Then no, he no longer had the power of the Lord in him. He no longer had the Holy Spirit in him. It had left him. And the story of Samson gets worse. It's a tragic story. The best day of Samson's life, you gotta read the story. The best day of his life was the last day of his life. Read the story. Israel's greatest king was King David. The Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart, but there came a moment when he really blew it. He sinned in a really crummy way, and it caused him a whole bunch of pain. And King David said this in Psalms 51. He said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. You see, the Holy Spirit would come upon a person in the Old Testament and would leave. Everything changed on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes into your life and he never leaves you. Even if you blow it, even if you sin, even if you do something stupid, the Holy Spirit will never, ever leave you. So as I wrap this up, why did God send us the Holy Spirit? Let me give you just a couple thoughts here real quick. Number one, the Holy Spirit is your counselor. It's your comforter and your helper, depending on which version you have. And I think these names right here kind of tell you a lot. That's why God gave you the Holy Spirit, was to be a counselor to you, was to be a comforter to you, was to be a helper to you, was to be an advocate for you. That's one of the reasons why God sent you the Holy Spirit. In fact, those words, what your Bible may say counselor, comforter, helper, advocate, or whatever, the Greek word is the word paraclete, which means one called alongside to help, and it, and it has the idea or the thought of somebody who encourages, supports, maybe exhorts another person. And so God sent the paraclete to counsel you, to help you, comfort you, whatever it is you need. Number two, the Holy Spirit is the gift giver. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, uh, in verse four, it says, there are many kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. And so at the moment you gave your life to Christ, he gave you at least one gift, probably more than one. 
You come to church here on any given weekend and you get to see people using their gifts all the time, their talents all the time. The question might be, are you using yours? You get to see a whole bunch of people up here that have gifts and talents and abilities. There's people holding babies right now, so you can be in here. Right now, there are people discipling, mentoring your fourth grader. There are people walking the parking lots, working in the cafe. A lot of people doing a lot of stuff. And if you haven't found your place, you know what? You need to get off the dime. One of the reasons why God gave you his Holy Spirit is so that you'd use your one life for some purpose greater than yourself. I remember when I gave my life to Christ, I, I was just a kid, our church wasn't here, I was just about 20 years old and I was just lost, you know. And I showed up at church and, you know, somebody said they needed help in youth and so I showed up, hey, my name's Rick, you know, what do you need? I sit here and make sure kids don't run out the door. I, I can do that. <laughs> I'm pretty, I used to be pretty good at running out the door, if you know what, if you know what I mean. I can look in their eyes and know that kid's about ready to run. We got a runner on our hands. I'll tackle him. I got him. Don't worry. I had no clue what I was doing. I just knew I was supposed to do something. I just started working with kids, man. I just hung around the church because I just wanted to do things. Uh, I, I'm like, I, I'm, I have no musical, like, I can't do anything when it comes to musical stuff. But I, we used to have a quartet called the California Sun. And they used to play the live music. And I would hang out, and the leader of it was Daryl Cummings. And he said, all right, lady, look, I'll put you over here. And so I had a, like, percussion stuff. Like, I had, a, I had like, an egg, and, and I had this thing that you went, and it had this ball on it. And, and, and I had a triangle, bing, bing. And for whatever reason, he put a set of congos in front of me. And like, it'd be like a, you know, a solo with acapella. <laughs> I'd be, because I didn't know, I don't know. And there was no sheet music. I, I, I knew how to read sheet music. And I'd just start playing. And Daryl would be singing. He'd look over at me. <laughs> I could never hit the triangle at the right moment. I was always off a beat. You know, bing. It's just weird. Everything's quiet. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Finally, he went, okay, I got to, this kid, I got to get him out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so then I became a, the comedy guy. I was always in the comedy routines and stuff. And I just, I just wanted to do something. It was a sign that the Holy Spirit was alive and active in my life. You see? And if you're trying to find your place, I, I, look, we're not building the space shuttle here. It's pretty simple. Show up here next weekend and find me and go, hey, look, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'll put you somewhere. I'll put you, hey, let's do this. And at the end of it, if you go, man, I hated that. Okay, then that ain't it. We'll find you another place. And there'll come a moment when you'll find a place and you go, hey, I'm pretty good at that. Some of you might be going, my man, I play the trombone. I'm pretty good at it. But man, you already got to have trombone players. Yeah, we do. But we could use one more. Well, you know, I like to play the drums, but man, you got a lot of good drummers. We got a lot of great drummers, but you know what? We could use one more. Well, you know, I'd love to sing, you know, but you got all these great singers. We got great singers. 
but we could use one more. We have stuff going on here and in Syria and our online campus. We've got all kinds of places. We, need, we, we just need help. And the Holy Spirit came into your life on the day of Pentecost, if you will, and he's the one who hands out all the, all the gifts. Number, number three, uh, he's my teacher, and I don't have time to talk about that. The last one I'll talk about, and that is the, the, the Holy Spirit is, it, it's, it's your power source. It empowers you. In Acts chapter one, it says, but you will receive power. You're gonna receive power. God wants you to have power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That means at the moment of salvation, the moment the Holy Spirit came upon you, whoa, you have power. Power to do what? Serve him. Talk about Christ. Be a witness for him. For, so sitting out in the parking lot, I have this... Uh, Chrysler 300. Man, it's fast. I know. I got in it when I bought it and I saw the, the odometer thing and it said, man, it, really? 120? Well, I gotta check that out, don't I? I mean, what if they're lying to me? And I've got a few tickets to prove it. <laughs> that thing's got some power, man. It's got like an engine thing in it, man. And it's got like a crankshaft and got carburetors or whatever, man. Things unbelievable. I know nothing about cars. Some of you are going, man, that guy knows nothing about it. I, I, you're right, I don't. But what I do know is that it's got this big old engine in it. And it's just sitting out there right now doing nothing. But if I get in it and turn it on and step on the gas, whoa. You know what a lot of Christians are today? Is my car just sitting out there. 2,000 pound piece of steel just sitting here doing nothing. And you got this engine in you. God gave you this power plant. And it's just sitting there. Not doing it. I'll tell you when, when it's really fun. Is in about 30 minutes, I'm gonna go out and get in it. I'm gonna get on to Clarentina. Hit, hit, hit. I'm like Dale Earnhardt Jr. Teasing. That thing, that thing can go, man. So can you. That's why God gave you his Holy Spirit, to empower you. You see, you can be indwelt with the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't do any good. To be empowered by him is a whole other deal. And that's why day 50 comes and God sends his Holy Spirit be your comforter, your counselor, your advocate, to give you a gift, to be your teacher, and to give you power to do something crazy for him. Something crazy for him. And that doesn't mean you have to stand up here at a pulpit and preach. You could be a baseball player. 
who somehow, some way, through their life, honors the Lord and the gifts and talents and abilities that they've been given. You can be a mechanic and you can honor the Lord through the gifts and talents and abilities that you've been given. You don't have to do this. There's lots of ways you can use your one life and the power within you to do something crazy for the Lord. Why don't you stand? So Lord, thank you for our time to be together. And give us a really, really great afternoon, Lord, as we go have lunch, hang out with our families, or whatever it is we do. And I pray these things in your name and all of God's people said, amen. Hey, Lord bless you. Okay, live for Jesus.